UFC has engaged in a publicity advertisement campaign where they bring in some of the, the heavy hitters as far as movie stars, and they're portraying Colonel Sanders. Now, the picture that's up there right now, I, I think Jason Alexander is in the upper left-hand corner, uh, Reba McIntyre. Can anybody guess the far right on the top? Ray Liotta. Okay, good fellas. It, huh? Right? Okay. Sure. Billy Zane uh, on the lower left-hand corner. He was the bad guy in Titanic. He was in the gold. Uh, in the middle, anybody, anybody can guess the middle? George Hamilton, right on. And uh, anybody guess who it is in the very right-hand corner? Rob Lowe. Very good. Um, the weird thing is, uh, when Colonel Sanders sold KFC in 1964, uh, he really was no longer involved with the company. But he hated the way that the new owners of KFC, Kentucky Fried Chicken, was doing things. It got away from the recipe, got away from the way he did things. And what he did for the rest of his life is he went around the country making money being Colonel Sanders. But every time he opened his mouth, he badmouthed KFC. Didn't like, didn't like the way it was going. He hated the, uh, uh, oh, daggummit, it's my favorite, crunchy. Uh, what, what is it, Mom? Crispy, crisp, crispy. Uh, couldn't stand crispy. In fact, I can't even say what he said about that uh, because of the, the expletives. Uh, and although the colonel was responsible for building KFC with his own two greasy hands, he was responsible for the success. He was responsible for getting it going. He hated everything that it would go on to become. Everybody in the right same, same train with me. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to turn a corner real quick. I wonder if Jesus ever feels that way about the church. He started this thing, he launched it, he's the reason it's successful. I wonder if he likes the fact that we've kind of got away from the original recipe. I wonder if he is happy about the fact with what we choose to beat the drum, what drum we choose to beat and things like that. We've gotten so concerned with being PC and making sure that we don't offend anybody, making sure that you know everybody feels like they are at their place they belong and things like that as a church. Um... I think that it is possible that Jesus hates some of the things that the church has become, what we've said and what we've wrapped ourselves in, uh, how far we've strayed away from the original recipe, if you will. Uh, the truth of the matter is, despite all the flaws that the church has, and let's just be honest, man, even in our own denomination, what's going on right now as far as sexual abuse and the victims of sexual abuse and, and, and power uh, power-hungry pastors who take advantage of people uh, sexually, uh, doctrinally wise, uh, financially. Uh, the church has had a lot of black eyes lately. And just through history, the church has had a lot of black eyes. And it goes all the way back to the first century when this thing was launched in Acts chapter 2. But with all the flaws and all the faults and all the, the, the wonkiness of the church... The Apostle Paul wrote this. He said, Christ loved the church. And here's the thing. Christ still loves the church, okay? Jane, I'm in Ephesians 5. Uh, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And when, when we see the word church there, we're going we're to unpack this a good bit today. But it's not First Baptist Church. It's not Lutheran Church. It's the church, capital C Church, Catholic Church. And we're going to unpack that word too, uh, the universal church. Uh, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing uh, with water through the word, the Bible, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or having any other blemish, 
but instead she's holy and she's blameless. The church is a lot of things. It's where you're supposed to come to get sound doctrinal preaching. It's where you're supposed to, to come to learn about God. It's where we come together to worship God. It's where we come together to be in community. It's where we come to, to serve. It's how we fit in here. I will tell you some things that the church is not. The church is, is, uh, is not the building. That's nothing new. Um, when we think of the church, we think of the little Methodist church down the road, and we think of the little uh, Assembly of God church just out here on Opdyke Street. We think of the little Christian church, or maybe the little Baptist church, or the little Lutheran church. But the church itself is really not a building. It's, it's all about people. It always has been people. The idea that the church being in a building would have been a foreign concept in the first century. And when, when, when Jesus started this thing, the whole idea of a building was wonky uh, because the early church met in homes. Okay? It was still the church. They didn't have a building, but it was still the church because the church was the people. In fact, this is where I get that from. Um, Romans 10, uh, I'm sorry, Romans 16, 5. The church that meets in their home. 1 Corinthians, the church of Corinth. The church that meets in their homes. You go to uh, Philemon. The church that meets in your home. This is where the church met in the early days. It, the idea of them coming to 719 State Street or a physical address to a building, it would have been foreign to them. So the church is not a building. Uh, the church is also not a denomination. You know, the First Baptist Church, or uh, Pentecostal Church, Apostolic Church, Catholic Church, Lutheran Church. The church is not a denomination. In fact, in the Bible, nowhere do we see the church embracing any denomination. And now, you know, I'm Baptist because I've got some very strong views on how I believe that that the way uh, this particular church interprets Scripture. I believe every bit of the Bible. I believe. I believe, you know, I, I believe the creation story all the way to, to when Jesus comes back in Revelation. I believe it all. Uh, and I receive that by faith. Not every congregation, not every church, and not, not everybody believes that. But I believe the literal word of God. I believe every word of it is true and inerrant. Um, so that's why I'm here. And some denominations don't have that view. Some do. Some take a different view on uh, PDO baptism or infant baptism. Uh, we don't do that. We dedicate babies. Uh, but some churches do. But that's okay. But I want you to understand that the church does not, uh, the church is not a denomination. This is a group of people who says, well, okay, this is what we believe. This is what we think. We think we're pretty close. We know we're not perfect, but we think we're pretty close. So we, so we, 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 we land there. We believe in believer's baptism. We don't do infant baptism because we believe that you have to be old enough to make a decision. You look in Scripture and we don't, we don't really see... Uh, PDO baptism. We don't really see infant baptism. Am I mad at the other churches that do? No, not at all. That's just not my bang zone. Okay? Uh, the church of the Bible doesn't recognize any denomination. So it's not a building. It's not a denomination. It's also this. The church can't give you salvation. The church can't say, oh, you're saved. You've finished our class. Mm -mm. It don't work that way. Uh, it doesn't grant you salvation. It can't take away your salvation. You're not saved because you belong to a church. The church has been given the good news of salvation. The church has been given the gospel message. You can come here and get saved uh, and hear the message, but we do not give you a, 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 a certificate that says, congratulations, you made the cut. Uh, we don't do that. Uh, and if you do go to a church like that, that's not the church, okay? Uh, we've been made new. We've been justified by the good news that the church has been given to give out. But the church doesn't save us. Um, the Great Commission is the mission of the church. Going out and telling people about Jesus, that's our mission. But y'all, that's not the only thing we do. This church is here to be your spiritual family. This, is ch this church is here to be your faith community. 
This is supposed to be the place where you come to be restored, recharged, corrected, reproved. This is the place that you come to grow. Not First Baptist Church per se, yes and no, but that's what the church is, is here for. Um, this month we're going to build on where we've been for like the last six weeks. I spent four weeks talking about grace because, man, um, oh, Miss Suzanne, your beautiful shirt today. I love what Miss Suzanne's shirt said. Can you get a, you can't get a, show, turn around and show them to that. I'm a, hurry up. I'm a Christian. I'm not perfect. I make mistakes. I mess up. God's grace is greater than all my sins. Man, God's grace covers up all of our mess ups, our faults, and our mistakes. Spent four weeks talking about that. Then we talked for two weeks about where do we go after we've been to God's grace. We found out Jesus said, whoever wants to come after me must deny himself, pick up his cross, and, and follow me. We spent two weeks talking about that. Two weeks talking about being unashamed of who Jesus is. And what we kind of found out is if we're ashamed of Jesus here, he'll be ashamed of us when we cross over. It's kind of the, it's kind of the, uh, the cliff notes on that. Today, what I want you to know is, okay, after we've done that, after we've been saved, we're into the discipleship thing, what do we do? You go to a church. You get plugged into a local congregation. I didn't say Baptist church, Lutheran church. Man, as long as they preach the Bible, bless God. I would much rather you have... I would much rather you be in a church that preaches the Bible than necessarily say, I've got to come to this church. Go to a church where you can be fed and where you can grow and where you can have a sense of community, where you can be discipled. We are going to look a whole month at the church because I believe this, the church is composed of everyone from every nation, tongue, tribe, and every time who's received Christ as their Savior since Acts chapter 2 until the Messiah comes in glory. I want to say that again for you. The church, capital C church, is composed of everyone from every nation, tribe, and tongue, and everyone who, uh, and every time. That means all the way from the very beginning to when the Lord comes back with, uh, with glory. That's the church. All of us make up that church. Only uh, over the next four weeks we're going to learn about the church, what it is, what it isn't, and how we fit into it. So let's ask the question, why church? Why is this a big deal? And, why, and here's the thing, so many Christians have dropped out from coming to church. Not just lost people not coming. Uh, they, they say about a third of the Christians who were going to church before the pandemic have just decided not to come back. So why? Well, I mean, why is the church a big deal? Why, why is it important? Um, we get our word for church from two different Greek words. Uh, one of them is kurios, which means those belonging to God. And the other word that you're probably much more familiar with is ekklesia, which means a gathering or a congregation, an assembly. Now, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to unpack those words for you, but before I can do that, I... I want to go all the way back to the Old Testament to see if there was a remnant or some type of a thread that can help us understand exactly what, what the church is supposed to look like. Because the Old Testament can interpret the new and the new can interpret the old. It's all scripture. And I told you, I believe all of it. So, um, how many of you ever read Homer's The Odyssey? Okay. Did you read it in the original language? Did you read it in Greek? You read it in English. We couldn't have read the Greek, so we read it in English. Okay, so if the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, and we're getting our word for church from the Greek, is there anything that we can learn? Well, back in the day, y'all say Septuagint. The Septuagint. It's got, it's got an initial, L-X-X. 
Uh, that means Septuagint. That's an abbreviation for Septuagint. I don't know how they got there, but that's what it is. The Septuagint is this. You know how you have the English version of Homer's Odyssey? The Septuagint is the Greek version of the Old Testament. It's how they translated the Hebrew into the language of the time, which was Greek. Now, when they did that, I mean, they did Genesis to Micah, and all the Hebrew was translated into Hebrew. I'm sorry, all the Hebrew was translated into Greek, the way that Homer's Greek was translated into English, so you and I could have read it. The word in the Old Testament Hebrew that was used to describe the blowing of the horn and the coming together to the tent of meeting or to the tabernacle or to the temple. There was a word used for that in the Hebrew that looks, that, that when you put it in the Greek, the word is ekklesia. The word we have for church. In the Old Testament, when they would blow the shofar to call the armies together for formation, that was called ecclesia. Uh, the the uh, Greeks called that ecclesia. So what we're seeing, uh, just in the language, is that the church is a gathering of people that belong to God. It's a gathering. It's a congregation. It's an assembly. Um, it's us coming together. And Paul uses the word ecclesia more than any other New Testament writer. When he uses it, it, it basically addresses a specific church in a specific location. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2. To the church of God in... Right. The church of God is not specific to a location. There are churches in different locations, but the church is bigger than that. Um, Paul uses similar language when he talks about the church at Galatia, the church at Thessalonica, things like that. You see John the Revelator in the first three, ver uh, the first three or four chapters in Revelation to the church at Ephesus, to the church at, at uh, Smyrna, the church at Thessalonica, the church at Thyatira, the, the, uh, Thyatira, the church at Laodicea. Ecclesia of Laodicea, Ecclesia of, of Ephesus, Ecclesia of Smyrna. Those, that's the word that was used. It means a group. And so the idea that you and I can be a part of the family of God without being a part of the Ecclesia, it's a foreign idea. And I think there's something, too, coming together as a group. We love to have our folks online. We love to have them watch uh, streaming. We love, to, we, we love the, that fact. But that is not this. This is family. This is where you can see one another. It's where you can grow. It's where you can get plugged in. And, and, and we're, we're glad to be able to do the online stuff. But the truth of the matter is we get to connect with one another in this community, in this family. And, and uh, that's part of what the church is. Ecclesia is the group of believers. It's not a building. It's not a denomination. We usually think of individual uh, we usually think of individual churches making up the capital C church, the universal church. Uh, but the truth of the matter is that I, I don't think that's right because it means that collectively, all together, we make up the church. But, 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 but I think it means this. I think it means every local church has all of the church in it. It's not that we make up the church. I think that when there is a church, all of the church that has to offer, God places in that individual body. To me, what that means is this. We're not a part of something bigger. Something bigger is a part of us. Something bigger is a part of us. Now, yeah, we are a part of the church, capital C, but the, the, but the thing is, God has established His capital C church, and He's using us to do it. I like what Carl Schmidt said. He is, in a, he is a theologian that's not dead. He said, The sum of the individual congregations has not produced the total community of the church. Each community, however small, represents the total community of the church. Church, 719 State Street is our church's address, and that is not an accident. 
God has placed us here to be His church in this location. It is a part of something bigger, but the greatest truth is that something bigger is a part of us. The universal church, man, it's throughout the whole world. The universal church is in the darkest bushes of Africa, and it's in the deepest, darkest bushes of Ellis Grove, okay? I mean, it is all over. Uh, the, the, whole, the whole world uh, contains uh, the universal church, um, but God uses the local church to do stuff, to do things He wants to get done. He uses the local church. Hebrews 12, 23. To the church of the firstborn... That means those who are in that church who have been saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, they've been redeemed. The church of the firstborn, not the church of the Baptists or the church of the Lutherans or the church of the Methodists. The church of my folks, whose names are written in heaven. Church, when we understand the concept of the universal nature of the church and not just the local aspect of the church, it really helps us to um, interpret some, some rather difficult parts of Scripture. When Jesus is talking to Peter, He says, Peter, upon this rock I will build my church. He wasn't talking about a little congregation with four walls. He was talking about the collective of the saints throughout history who have given their, their heart to Jesus through faith. Um, It helps us understand Ephesians 1, uh, the church, which is Christ's body. Uh, We understand that the church is is Christ's body, and it's underneath His authority. It's underneath uh, His his power. Uh, We we understand in Ephesians 3.10, His purpose was through the church. The church will know God's wisdom through us. God, God has said, hey, this is the church I'm giving the earth. It's your job to tell the world what my heart is, what my word says. Uh, it represents and reflects God and His word to the world. Ephesians 5.23, Christ is the what of the church? It ain't you and it ain't me. Christ is the head of the church and He is the Savior of the body, which is the church. And the church yields to Christ. Church say church yields. That's that same word that, that, uh, about women submitting to their wives. It's a submission thing. It's a yielding ourselves. Um, so if he's the head, if he's in charge, if he's the authority of the church, then the church submits to his leading out of love. Now, how many of y'all mind the whole idea of the church being submissive to God? Man, we're all good with that. But we'll, we'll freak out when the other verse comes up, you know. Just a paradox. We struggle with that. But I want you to understand something. It may be hard to understand, but I still believe it. Just because I don't understand it or I don't get it, or heck, may not agree with it, I believe it. Because you see, I don't make this thing, this thing makes me. It doesn't matter my view or, oh, this is good. It doesn't matter what my view or my opinion or my stance is. The truth of the matter is, when I started following Jesus, I denied who I am to begin with. I denied myself, my opinions, my views. And what did I pick up instead? His. Listen to all the amens in the house. God bless you, church. It's a tough message. But I think it's tough because we've gotten so far away from the original recipe. Well, I think we've gotten away from the original 11 herbs and spices, if you will. And so this stuff, is, it's going to kind of hit us between the eyes a little bit because I've not preached like this in a very long time. And I want you to know I'm not beating you up. I'm the pastor here, okay? I mean, so the buck stops with me. Uh, but I just want to share with you really what the, what the church is supposed to be.
uh, the church, all the saints in heaven and on earth, um, there's that universal nature, but that expression is to the local congregation. Um, we're told by Paul that CFBC is a part of the body of the church. And y'all, there are several, this is a long passage, but I want you to read it with me. You know what? Let's do this. What if I read the even and you read the odd? Because it's a long passage. Jane, I'm going to be on 1 Corinthians 12. I skipped some. The human body has many parts. Church? The foot might say, because I am not a hand, I am not part of the body. But saying this would not stop the foot from being a part of the body. You understand, he's using the imagery of a physical body with the nose and eyes and ears. And he's comparing that to how you and I are parts of the body of Christ. And there's none that are more important than, than the other. And that's, that's, the, uh, that's what's going on. Uh, verse 16, the ear might say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not a part of the body. But saying this would not stop the ear from being a part of the body, church. If the whole body were an eye, it would not be able to hear. If the whole body were an ear, it would not be able to smell. But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as He wanted them to be, church. If each part of the body were the same part, there would be no body. But truly God puts all the parts, each one of them, in the body as He wanted them. So, there are many parts, but only one body. The cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the foot, I don't need you. No, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are really necessary. And the parts of the body that think are less deserving are the parts to which we give the most honor. We give special respect to the parts we want to hide. The more respectable parts of the body need no special care, but God put the body together and gave more honor to the parts that need it. So our body would not be divided. God wanted the different parts to care the same for each other. One part of the body suffers. We all suffer together. Or if one part of the body is honored, all the parts share in that honor, church. Together you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of that body. Would somebody be brave enough to help me or tell me what that verse or those collection of verses meant? What's the idea behind that? Would somebody do that? Yeah. Any more important than anybody else? Yeah, I, that's definitely one take. Somebody else? One, huh? He, does this church needs us all? Yes. Does every, yeah. When one hurts, we all hurt. And you know what? If we're not, then we're jacked up as a church. You know, if you're hurting and I don't care whether you're hurt or not, something's wrong. Yeah, somebody else. Good job. Anyone else? Does everybody have a part here? Does everybody have a responsibility to be a part of the body? There is one head. Amen. And what's his name? Yo. Very good. Since the local church is the route, okay, God has chosen to reach people. Uh, for us to gather together and live like one cohesive body, but we still understand that we are the local church. We're a part of something bigger, but something bigger is a part of us. What do we do here? Um, Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Um, it's where we learn about the things of God. 
This local church is where we learn about the things of God. They spent their time, this is, ex, this is explaining what the early church did, they spent their time learning the apostles' teachings, sharing, breaking bread, and praying together. That's what they did. They, they learned. You come here to hear a good message from the Word of God that's going to help you get through your week, or maybe it's going to help you come out of a rotten week. But you come here to be spiritually fed and to know more about the Word of God. And, you know, if you're not being fed, some, man, God love you, find some, find some place where you can go and you're going to be fed. It's okay. Um, what happens lots of times, people will, will stop coming to church, and this is, a, this is a great line. Oh, Brother Mike, you just weren't feeding me. So, okay, well, it would help if you came to the table hungry. Uh, secondly, uh, secondly, lots of those people who don't come because they're not being fed, they don't go to church anywhere. It's like, okay, it doesn't really matter which church you don't go to. Uh, go. 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 It's where you're, it's where you're fed. Um, it's where you're encouraged. Hebrews 3.13. But encourage one another in the church as long as it's cold day. We're going to circle back to that one, so I'm not going to unpack it a lot. It's where we're challenged to love God and to love people and to live like Jesus. This church. Uh, Hebrews 10.25. Let us not give up meeting together. As some are in the habit of doing. But let us, man, encourage one another. Help each other up. Down the road, into the race. Help each other uh, as the more you see the day of the Lord approaching. Man, this is where we serve one another. It's where we help one another. The Bible says, you my, you, my brothers, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, use your freedom to serve one another out of hate. Nope. Out of love. Church, if you're looking for the earmarks of a local church that's described in Scripture, here they are. Romans, 10, uh, Romans 12, 10. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. And by the way, for those of you who are concerned, that could be sisterly love. It just means out of love. Honor one another above yourselves. Nobody in here is more important than the other. Good job on that one, sissy. Ephesians 4.32, be kind in the church. Be compassionate in the church. Uh, forgive each other in the church, just as Christ uh, forgive you. All right. I'm gonna, I hate to say this because some, some of y'all just hear one sentence and then you shut me off. Don't. Because this can get wacky. Church attendance as a Christian, it's, it's not required. I can't take you that. I can take you to a verse that says, don't forsake the assembling together of others as some are in the habit of doing. But I'm going to be honest with you, I can only take you to two or three different spots in Scripture for that. All right? I love you enough to tell you that. But this is what I do know, and this is... Uh, uh, this is the truth. The longer you stay away from church as a Christian, you're in dangerous water. It just gets bad. Because the longer you're out of church, the more that door is left open for allowing the world and the devil to make you have uh, doubts in your faith. Because this isn't in front of you. You go a month without hearing Jesus loves you or, or the word from the word of God. In that month, uh, and by the way, you're only coming to church an hour a week to begin with and usually only two out of four. And for all the other times, besides those two hours, the devil's saying, oh, you'll be all right. Nobody's missing you. Oh, it's okay. Nobody really cares if you're there or not. That son of a gun's a liar. We miss you when you're not here. We miss you. And don't believe the lie of the father of all lies. All them people down there at the church are just a bunch of hypocrites. Absolutely, but we got room for one more. We don't go to church because we're good. We go to church because we're jacked up. At least I do. You know, I go to church because I don't have it all together. I need, I, I, I need this. Okay, I'm, 
I'm, I'm fully dependent. I ain't codependent. I'm fully dependent upon him. So that's where I come. This is where I go. If I'm not in church on a Sunday, I feel weird. I feel like something's wrong. When we avoid other believers or we reject that encouragement or that correction or prayer, the world will have an opportunity to make us question our beliefs and our opinions, the Word of God. Look what Hebrews 3.13 says, but encourage each other every day while it's a day. Help each other. This is cool. Help each other so none of you will become hardened because sin has tricked you. This isn't the same passage that says don't forsake the assembling together with others. Y'all, we do this because we can stay, because it'll help us stay on the road. Remember a couple of weeks ago I said Jesus said that most people are going to be on the wide, wide road that leads to destruction. Y'all, we need each other so we don't get off on some ramp we shouldn't be getting off on. So we don't go down some road that's a dead end. In the church, God provides you and me with brothers and sisters. When I, growing up, I, I grew up in the 70s. Uh, I thought it was a weird thing. Everybody in the church is called Brother Bob or Brother Jim or Brother... We didn't have a Brother Sue. That would have been weird. Uh, but Sister, uh, Sister Nell. And I, I thought, well, that's weird. That's just a weird Christian thing, you know. And I want to be a Christian, just not the weird kind. Uh, but now that I, I, I see what the Scripture is, is really saying, the reason we say that is because this is a family. And, you know, some families are good and some families are bad. But this is family. And whether it's a good family or a bad family, you love family. You're always there for family. You know these things so well that you can teach them to each other. You know, we have a, we have a job to help one another in our relationship with God. But I can't help you if you're not here and... I can help you if you're not here, and I can't help. You understand what I'm trying to say. I got lost in the words there. I'm going to leave you with one last story, and then I'm going to, I'm going to close up. This is, this is a story, man, dadgum. I've heard this my whole life uh, growing up in church. But it's a story that I read in a, a MacArthur commentary. Uh, it's called The Lonely Ember. He tells a story of a, uh, an older man in the church who's stopped coming for whatever reason. Somebody got on his bad foot or somebody hurt his feelings. So he said, you know what, I'm not going to come no more. And so a uh, guy drops out of church for a week or two. Somebody tells the preacher what's going on with old Ed. And so the preacher says, okay, well, you know, this old preacher's been Ed's pastor for 20 years. Goes to the door. Ed comes to the door, pastor goes in, come on in, preacher. They don't say any word other than that. Man's, going, man's sitting there by the fireplace, wearing, uh, got his afghan on. Uh, preacher comes in, sets down, doesn't say a cotton-picking word. They don't say anything for 15 minutes because the old man knows that, you know, it is what it is. And the preacher ain't none too happy with him either. So he sits there. Neither one of them say a word. And that couldn't be awkward at all. And so the preacher gets a, uh, a set of tongs out from the side there where the fireplace tools are, pulls out one of them embers that's blowing there in that fire, puts it out to the side of the hearth. And when you take it out originally, of course, it's, blowing, it's, it's, it's glowing cherry red. But after you know, just a few seconds, it's not as bright. After a minute, it's, it's barely there. And two minutes gone, you can pick it up with your hand. Nobody says a word. After that ember goes down... 
preacher picks up with the tongs, put it back in the fire. Within five seconds, that thing is blowing, uh, glowing cherry red again. It's warmed back up. It's putting out the heat. It's helping with the effort of the fireplace. And then with that, the preacher just got up and left. Ed walks into the door and says, Preacher, I want to thank you for that fiery sermon. I'll see you at church on Sunday. <laughs> Y'all, I'm not saying you're required to go to church. I can tell you that you're required to keep the Sabbath day and honor God, keep it holy. I can tell you that the Bible says don't forsake the, get, the assembling together with others as some are in the habit of doing. That I can tell you. But this is what I do know. If you're gone, you're out there by yourself. If you're gone, I can send you a hundred texts. I can't make you come to church. Pam can send you a text. We can't make you come to church. But this is what I know. Don't take yourself out of the fire because you won't last long out there by yourself. We were built for family. For, heavenly, uh, for heaven's sakes, He's our heavenly Father. The church is a big deal. Don't let anybody tell you that it's not. The reason why God chose this church is because we need people in our life. We need other brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord God, I thank You so much for what this church is and what it means. And Lord, not just this little C church but the capital C Church. Father, I pray that you would be celebrated here. I pray that you would be loved here. And I pray that as we kind of begin to build a foundation for this particular message, this particular series, on what the church is, Father, where are our ideas and our concepts of what your church is supposed to be like, where they're wrong or flawed, God, I pray that you would correct us. We love you, Father, with everything we got. In Jesus' name I pray. And amen. Y'all, this, this is kind of the opening uh, volley of pick a place on local church, find a place and, and, uh, and serve there. Uh, Speaking of that, Miss Priscilla Preston is having a, a birthday today, and she was a charter member of this church. If you're wondering what a charter member member is, um, huh? In the Navy, somebody that sailed on the ship, originally they're considered to be a planker. She was on this ship when it first launched. This church was launched in 1876. <laughs> now, Miss, Miss Priscilla, tell us a little bit. Uh, how old were you when you first started coming here? Probably about three. You were probably about three. Very good. And I'm not going to ask you your age, but Miss Priscilla's... You don't care? Well, tell them. So, uh, it's pretty cool. And let's sing happy birthday to Miss Priscilla as she celebrates her 84th birthday. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Miss Priscilla. 
church. I hope you come back for the rest of this sermon. See, absolutely.